Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue. Recent events have highlighted inequality and inequity in our society and the need to take decisive action. Our mission depends on it, our workforce depends on it, our nation depends on it. So joining us today is Nav Air Commander Vice Admiral Dean Peters for a deeper discussion on diversity and inclusion and what we as individuals and as an organization can do to be stronger together. Sir, thank you for joining us today. Let's start with the basics. What does inclusion mean to you? First of all, we treat everyone with dignity and respect, period. No gray area here. This is foundational to the Navy and the Marine Corps. It's foundational to Nav Air. We've talked about it many times. There is simply no room for discrimination, prejudice, or exclusion. Second, I think there has to be a recognition that diversity and inclusion will make us stronger. Last, but by no means least, is our moral responsibility to seek equality and equity. Since you've asked what this means to me, I'll give you my personal feelings. The issue of equality and equity goes beyond our jobs and speaks to our place in society and our place in history. I want to be on the active side of this solution for my family, for my community, for NAVAIR. I know that many others in the organization feel the same way. We have very active diversity action teams at NAVAIR. But the recent protests must be a wake-up call to really lean in to the actions and recommendations that have been identified by these teams. We've got to take action. That's what this is all about. Why is inclusion so important, especially today? Well, as we've talked about in several of my videos and when I'm speaking to different forums, I often talk about the book by Edward Hess called Humility is the New Smart. The old ways of lining up behind the brilliant leader with all of the answers, those days are behind us. The world is changing so dramatically. The pace of technology is just out of control. We really need to utilize the full capacity of our collective brain power to understand the landscape, to be able to take action, and more importantly, to learn. So there's really no time for protracted analyses in today's decision making. I think we've seen that during the COVID-19 health crisis as teams have had to reprioritize. Even now, we're in the phase of adjusting the way we view work and the accomplishment of work, what's important, what needs to be deprioritized, and strong and diverse and inclusive teams really take advantage of opportunities that are presented in any situation, even something as horrible as a health crisis or an earthquake or a hurricane or whatever happens. So let's talk about the recent tragic events across the nation. I don't want to shy away from this topic. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Two weeks ago, Louisville was on fire, and that really hit hard for me. You know, what happened to Breonna Taylor? She was tragically and unnecessarily killed. We've got to address this topic full on if our nation is to be saved and our organization is to be effective. How does inclusion improve a team's performance and outcomes? So let's start with a team that lacks diversity. So we always start a lot of problem solving with, hey, let's think differently. The problem is we don't know how. For a team that lacks diversity, their box is pretty small, both from a depth and a breadth standpoint. You know, similar education, similar life experiences, similar heritage, they all result in singular ideas and really 
more importantly, the reinforcement of those singular ideas. Of course, we're all anxious for a solution, and that really causes us not to challenge the assumptions or explore other perspectives. So let's move to a team that may have diversity, either through a random circumstance or through deliberate action. Unless those folks with a diverse background are brought into the conversation, then we're really not getting any value from having them on the team. And in some ways it's even worse because their contribution is marginalized. They start to either assimilate or they leave. And that doesn't do anybody any good. And there's science behind this too associated with diversity and inclusion. One study that I was recently reading, it was from 2015, it was the McKinsey Global Institute study. They took a look at 366 public companies in the Western Hemisphere. They found that there was a 15% improvement in performance for teams that had gender diversity. Something as simple as that. And then 35% better performance for teams with racial and ethnic diversity. So this is pretty important stuff. Diverse perspective equal better solutions. So if you're still not convinced, I encourage you to do your own research. It's out there and it's plentiful. But as we've discussed, diversity is not enough. It's only the first step. Inclusion is also required, and it's a very important part of the equation. Employee engagement is the ingredient that catalyzes the reaction. We need to bring everyone's ingenuity to the fight, and this has to be done deliberately. Are there some examples you can share where you've seen the value of inclusion and diversity? So let's talk about a few examples. And one example in particular I want to talk about that is ultimately a good news story, but it didn't start out that way. This one happened in our own organization. We had an EEO complaint that I was reviewing. And at first, it seemed like this might be an easy case to dismiss. A particular employee that was hired was not a good fit for this particular shop that he was working in. Did not necessarily have the skill set that was required for this particular product that was being de delivered. But then as I started to read through this, some of the things that came out uh, really caught my attention. I said, wow, we've got to do something about this because there were multiple instances of where this employee had expressed his concern about comments associated with females, about minorities, and he was really uncomfortable with the dialogue and the jokes that were going on in this particular shop. So he talked to his supervisor about it, who actually did go back and talk to the employees, but it didn't stop. And so this employee, who was not a good fit for this particular shop, who probably could have been moved to another part of our organization that required a different skill set, he had a complaint against the organization because he had brought this forward, considered it retribution now that he was actually being let go, and oh, by the way, his complaints, you know, were seemingly unheard because the conversations didn't stop, the jokes didn't stop, and they even got worse. So I really couldn't believe it when I read this, and so I went to see this team. We did some very deliberate training. I spoke to them each individually. We worked with the branch managers and talked about how we might increase the diversity of this particular shop. They had all been there for 10, 15, 20 years. They all knew each other, they bowled together, they 
their families barbecued on the weekends together. They were very tight. But I call them a shop without a future because although they were good at their product, the world was changing and that product was not going to be the product of the future and they were not going to know how to adapt. They would not have known how to adapt in the COVID-19 situation that we're in today. In fact, because of the steps that we took to promote diversity and increase diversity and the concentrated training that we did, not just for that shop, but other shops within that branch where it spread, that's a very productive shop today. And I'm happy to report that they do have a diverse workforce and they are inclusive and they've been able to reprioritize and reframe within the current situation that we're in. And so it's turned into a good news story. The other example that I would share with you is just the approach that we took to designing the Mission Aligned organization. And we did this deliberately. We wanted a cross-section of the organization. We didn't want to just go to our command leadership team, although they were very important and we needed their buy-in. We were looking for diverse perspectives. We wanted the view from the workforce. We wanted through a combination of focus groups and surveys to reach as many people as possible. And I think our teams really did that. And the change leads especially got to hundreds of individuals and they really brought in this diverse perspective that was used to attack the problem set that we were in. We wanted the workforce to really help design what the new NAVAIR was going to be, and that's our mission-aligned organization. And I am very confident it's going to be a powerful and effective organization because of all of those diverse perspectives that made it come together and coalesce. We've talked about why diversity and inclusion in the workplace are so important. So let's shift to the how. How can leaders promote diversity and inclusion? So now you're really getting to some specific actions, and this is, this is good. I first want to talk about the emphasis of diversity in hiring. And we've made some progress here, and this is very recent progress. In fact, if you look across what happened in 2016, and even spilling over into 2017, we had you know, a huge hiring push during those years. But when you go back and look at the data, you say, wow, what happened? We, we had all of these new employees come in, but we didn't change our demographics at all. We didn't improve our diversity. And so we made a concerted effort. Hey, we are going to mandate you know, some principles associated with hiring. First of all, we're going to focus on entry-level hiring because we know that's where our opportunity is to bring in more diverse perspectives go out to colleges and universities that we had not traditionally gone to. We particularly focused on historically black colleges and universities. We had established educational partnerships that really lent themselves to being able to hire, but it wasn't happening until we provided the recruiting team with the ability to actually make offers. And we've seen an increase of about 21% in our diversity hiring just over the last year, which I think is a reflection of these changes that we've made. So that's the most important piece of this is, is how we bring folks on, but it doesn't stop there. And then, then it's how do you retain folks? How do you retain that talent, get them involved in the work? We've established mentoring programs, and this is through our diversity action team. They're very, very active at establishing mentoring programs. We're establishing what constitutes a career path, a development program for them, how they interview for jobs, you know, how they write a resume, 
Now they continue to progress within the organization and we create these mentors so that they keep coming back in order to be able to stay connected throughout their careers. So that gets to the retention part. It's not enough though. We've got to go back and look at our selection boards. Are we getting enough diverse candidates? What are we using as our qualifications? Because sometimes we overvalue qualifications aspects when we're bringing new folks onto our team. And we, we can't do that any longer. We're stacking the deck. It's just like when I talked about, you know, if you don't have a diverse team, your box is pretty small, right? And you don't even know how small your box is because everyone has the same background and experience. We need to start valuing those things that make us different also and looking for that in our selection process and our promotion process. And then we can't neglect the inclusion piece of this. The leaders at every level have to create an environment where people feel comfortable sharing their ideas and debating different approaches. That's difficult for us, right? We don't know how to speak up. And so that's something that we all have to do individually, I think, both if we're leading a group or if we're even participating in a group. So those are just some of the things that we can do. And with the recommendations from our diversity action teams and a focused effort on this, I think we're really gonna get after it. What can each of us do on a daily basis to increase inclusion at Navair? Let's kind of end where we started, right? With together, we are stronger. First of all, as an individual, everyone has to be able to acknowledge that everyone is not like them and they're not going to be feeling the same thing and they may have different frustrations and different fears and different concerns. We've got to acknowledge that. We've got to fall back on this foundational concept of dignity and respect and take some time to reflect, are we really doing that? Are we doing it in what we say? Are we doing it in how we behave? Are we being inclusive? If we listen, if we share and we get to know each other and we also allow others to share with us their diverse experiences, then I think that we'll be on the path to doing the right thing and we will be stronger together. No matter what your role is in the organization, you have the power to be a catalyst for change. Sir, thank you for joining us and sharing your thoughts on this extremely important topic. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.